You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. This episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Happy Tuesday, everybody. The Timberwolves lost to the Nets on Monday night in a fairly hard-fought game, especially considering what we watched against the Rockets and, and frankly, for the last week over the last four-game homestand. But this was a, an entertaining game. The Wolves hung tough with the Nets for much of the game and, and made it close and interesting at the end. Had a chance to go ahead, had a chance to tie in the final minute, um, and it was a good game. So today we're going to talk game flow. We're going to talk key takeaways and uh, individual studs and duds as well. There are some definitely some takeaways from this one. And, and again, it was at least a fun watch um, in this one, which is, uh, you know, Saturday was not that. So we'll cover this game entirely today. That'll be the show. This is the post-game pod. All right, before we get to the game, though, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this show anywhere you get your podcasts, including iTunes. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Also at BBeacon. That's BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Okay, so Wolves Nets. This was Kyrie Irving's first game back after after missing three games for personal reasons. Uh, Kevin Durant remains out for the Nets. Obviously, you know Spencer Dinwiddie's been out most of the season. They've had a few other guys out of the lineup, um, but this was the return of Kyrie Irving. They've got Blake Griffin in the fold there now. They're adding Lamarcus Aldridge. Obviously, he's not. Uh, in in playing shape yet, but this is a team that's that's really deep. It's got a lot of veterans, and um, obviously still have DeAndre Jordan, um, of course James Harden. It's a really good team. I talked about on the preview show on Monday that that you know I really didn't think there was any chance the Wolves could really hang tough in this one, given the the data we have from the past week. I was wrong. They played pretty well in this game. Now they were down 12 at the end of the first quarter. They didn't exactly come out of the locker room ready to play at the start of the game. Um, so that was a bit of an issue. And then the second unit really latter part of the first quarter, first part of the second quarter, um, really actually the, the start of this game was similar to the Rockets game Saturday and that both teams were scoring at will. There was just very little defense. And then suddenly the nets kind of turned it on, on that end of the floor. The wolves couldn't hit open shots. It was a 12 point game. The lead actually ballooned to uh, 17 points in the second quarter. The bench lineup with Jordan McLaughlin, Jarek Culver got some pretty, uh, pretty, a pretty good amount of run in this game. Nas Reed, they really struggled, and the Wolves fell by down by as many as 17 in the second quarter. Towns came back into the game, and maybe not so coincidentally, certainly not so coincidentally, the Wolves got it back to an eight-point game at one point late in the second. It was nine points at halftime. So considering it was 12 at the end of the first, 17 at one point early in the second, nine-point deficit at halftime is not the worst thing in the world. Um, I'll I'll talk more about this in takeaways, but the Wolves' offense got a little bit away from feeding Carl Anthony Towns at some point in the first half, and that's really what coincided with their their slide. the lead for the Nets got back up to 14 at one point in the third quarter. Then it was down to 10 at the start of the fourth, back to 13. And then all of a sudden, Carl Anthony Towns goes on a little mini run himself. The Nets were still scoring a little bit, but Towns scored basically everything for the Wolves in the middle part of the fourth quarter and got Minnesota to within six points. And well, actually, it wasn't quite that simple. This was still a 10 point game with just over two minutes left. And Carl uh, Anthony Towns comes down, hits a three, makes it a seven point game. Ricky Rubio gets a steal on a bad James Harden pass. 
Jade McDaniels comes down, hits a little floater in transition. Maybe not the best shot selection in, in that uh, the spacing wasn't great for the Wolves. But anyway, got him within five with a minute 41 left. The Nets come down and Jade McDaniels picks up James Harden. Harden dribbles the ball off of his foot out of bounds. It hits McDaniels' foot, then his foot goes out of bounds. The refs actually called it out off of Minnesota for for it to be Nets' ball. But within two minutes, they did review it and they correctly called, overturned it, gave it to Minnesota. So the Wolves get the ball. Malik Beasley misses a three, but Anthony Edwards skies for the offensive rebound, makes a putback, gets the Wolves within three. Immediately after the inbound, Anthony Edwards strips the ball from Bruce Brown right at the timeline, kind of pickpockets him, comes down, makes a two-pointer in transition, draws the foul on Brown, goes crashing to the floor. They're within one now with 58.6 seconds left. So just a, a lightning quick over you know a minute and 13 seconds, the Wolves go on a 9-0 run with Edwards at the line, chance to tie the game. The free throw just rolls off the rim, misses. Nets ball. They come down. They don't score. Uh, Kyrie misses a shot. The Wolves get the rebound. Call a timeout. They come down and run a, an interesting play, um, like a legit ATO, and compared to what happened after this, which we'll get to in a minute, this was actually a solid play call where there was multiple actions. Malik Beasley was cutting back door. Towns had the ball uh, near the, the left elbow and didn't have the pass correctly made the decision not to pass it. Rubio sets a down screen for Anthony Edwards, who comes and curls around the perimeter. Towns gives it to Edwards, basically in a handoff, and Towns sets a screen. He's now wide open at the top of the key. Edwards has two as the Nets uh, sent two with Edwards. Towns was wide open for a split second. Ant could have kicked it back to Towns for a three. Remember, the Wolves are down one. Uh, He doesn't. He keeps it. The Nets recover, end up in isolation, um, Edwards is in isolation now. So the Wolves clear out. There's still 10 seconds on the shot clock, you know, 20 or so seconds on the game clock. And it's really what the Wolves kind of wanted. I mean, this is, I guess, maybe their fourth option on the play. But I mean, Anthony Edwards in isolation is is a winning proposition most of the time. I mean, he's he's better than league average in isolation. He has been all year. And he actually gets to where he wants to on the floor, gets to about eight feet in front of the basket, shoots a little one-handed push shot, kind of a fadeaway, short arms it, Falls off, the Nets get the rebound, the Wolves commit a couple of fouls to eventually get James Harden at the line. He makes both free throws. It's now a three-point game. After Wolves timeout with 14 seconds left, they inbound the ball, and Malik Beasley almost immediately shoots a tough contested three-point shot. And the only real action that the Wolves ran before the ball was inbounded was one screen to free Beasley, and there wasn't really anything else happening. I mean, I went back and watched this several times as I did the other ATO, and there was no other motion or action. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, pre pre the ball being inbounded, it looked like maybe somebody ran the wrong direction and it became a broken play rather quickly, whether that was Edwards or somebody else. Um, but I think that somebody maybe screwed up a little bit on, on the action because otherwise it was really stagnant and there was plenty of time. Like if there were four seconds on the clock, that's not your worst option, right? Malik Beasley shooting a contested three on the wing. I mean, he's a good shooter and he was, I mean, he wasn't open, but he got the shot off, but there were 14 seconds left and there was another you know, down three. So you want to make sure you get the best shot. And it's if they were down four, then sure. Shoot the shot as fast as you can and play the foul game. But down three with 14 seconds, you want to take your time and get the best shot that you can leave enough time for an offensive rebound, possibly if you miss, but you don't need to shoot with 10 seconds on the clock. Like Malik Beasley did. Of course, the Wolves were out of timeouts too. So all they could do is foul, hope the Nets missed both free throws. Of course, Kyrie made both of them. That was the end of the game. They lost by five. So late game execution was a bit of a mixed bag. And we'll talk about that more in takeaways. 
because the one ATO was a, a well-called play, just a miss by Edwards. The other one, if that was the play call, it wasn't a good play call. And if the execution was, my my bet is that it was the execution that was the issue. And uh, it was not executed well, obviously. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of a disappointing ending. But again, the fact that the Wolves were in this thing, that they showed life, that they fought hard throughout, those things matter. And uh, that's also something else we'll talk about here in Key Takeaways coming up next. Before we get to Key Takeaways, though, let's talk about our title sponsor from today's show, and that's Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like yourself on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. I'll be joining the app soon, so be sure to get started, and I will meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group or NFL, MLB, or NHL for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once Lockdown Wolves, once our room is live for Lockdown Wolves, download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk key takeaways. So I don't have, you know, sometimes I have maybe two, sometimes three big takeaways. I spend a couple minutes on each. Today, I've got some quicker hitting ones. Um, And I've already touched on some of these, but I want to dig, I guess, a little bit deeper than surface level. So Early in the game, the biggest issue for me was the Wolves got away from Carl Anthony Towns offensively, and he was effective early. Um, the Nets were doubling him basically on every catch. He had a couple of mistakes early in the game, but for the most part was being patient, was under control, didn't commit. I don't think he committed any offensive fouls in this game. He was close. I actually thought the officials, for as much as they let go around the rim, they mostly did a good job of not playing the Blake Griffin, James Harden, baiting them into foul calls game. Uh, It wasn't a perfectly officiated game by any means, but I thought they did a good job with that. And, And Towns was, again, under control. He made reasonable decisions. But for whatever reason, the Wolves offense, even with him on the floor, kind of devolved into this like, you know, Rubio made a couple of tough layups and for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to keep calling his own number. Um, there was this stretch where Jalen Noel gets into the game and, you know, he never met a shot he didn't like, which a lot of times is fine. Jarrett Culver somehow was weirdly trigger happy in this game. And I'll talk more about him here in a little bit, but the Wolves offense, like Towns barely touched the ball for the latter part of the first quarter. And then he comes off, off the floor and things get even worse, obviously. So the Wolves offense, absolutely must run through Carl Anthony Towns all the time when he's on the floor. And I, I actually, I wrote down the numbers here. His last attempted field goal in the first quarter was at the 545 mark. He stayed on the court. He didn't sub out until 133 remained in the quarter. So just a little over four minutes, he's on the court, does not attempt a shot, comes out of the game, gets a rest, comes back in middle of the third, of the second quarter, uh, with a little over eight minutes left in the second quarter. 
He doesn't attempt another shot until the 7.05 mark. So with him on the floor, that's roughly six minutes of game time, five and a half to six minutes of game time, not not including when he was on the bench. And if you include the minutes when he's on the bench, I mean, you're talking about another four minutes. So you're going 11 minutes of game time, 10 to 11 minutes of game time without Carl Anthony Towns attempting, attempting a shot. And there's no D'Angelo Russell. I mean... It's not like the Wolves have a secondary, you know, 20 point a game. I mean, I guess Malik Beasley is, but he's not that same type of, you know, ball dominant scorer that D'Angelo Russell or Carl Anthony Towns can be. Um, and it just isn't a recipe for success, especially against a really high scoring team, the league's best team in terms of off- offensive rating, like the Brooklyn Nets. So the Wolves got away from from what they should have been trying to do there for a little bit. And and certainly not coincidentally, they were down 12 by the time Towns finally attempted another shot at the 7.05 mark of the second quarter. Of course, this issue was largely remedied late in the game. Towns went on that massive run in the fourth quarter, but uh, it, it was, as it was happening, it just kind of felt weird. Like it just, you know, why, why is the offense, why is Towns not getting touches in the offense? It's not like and the Nets were swarming him again on the catch, but he had some opportunities. There were possessions where he didn't touch the ball. And um, and that to me, was, that was the issue, right? I mean, I don't want him forcing things through triple teams necessarily every time down the floor, but there were opportunities. There were, there were possessions that the Wolves had when Towns barely touched the ball at all. And, and that obviously can't happen. Um, Jade McDaniels was awesome. We'll obviously talk about him in studs and duds, but he was really good. Both ends of the floor, uh, is starting continuing to open up his offensive game at the NBA level. Had some nice catch and shoot makes on on three pointers, including a, both above the break in in the corners, and even tried to to take his defender off the dribble a couple of times. So we'll talk about his line and his game a little bit more here next segment. Um, I talked about the late game execution already and how that was weird. I you know I thought the timeout usage by Finch was good when it got to double digits with about three minutes left. Finch used a timeout at the right at the right moment. Then it kept the wolves in it. The ATO or Edwards missed the, uh, the eight footer or, or so, um, with about 20 seconds left. That was a solid play call. You know, I think, I think it maybe could have been executed a little bit more crisply on Beasley's cut and on, you know, Edwards could have made the decision to kick it back to towns for a three. I'd rather have towns open shooting an open top of the key three pointer down one with 20 seconds left than Anthony Edwards, going to the rim. I mean, I, you know, they're both winning plays. So that's why I say it's, it wasn't necessarily poorly executed. That's just what I would have preferred, especially with the way Towns played in this game. He was fantastic. Um, but Edwards missed at the rim and that wasn't Chris Finch's fault. Now the final ATO, we don't know exactly what happened, but it didn't look great. And uh, I mean, Jim Peterson said as much on the Fox Sports North broadcast. I think he even said there must've been a, a you know, a mix up there somewhere because it didn't, it wasn't a creative play call at all. It felt like, a, you know, it felt like we saw this with D'Angelo Russell back when Towns wasn't on the floor, when Ryan Saunders was coaching. There were a couple of times where it's like, you know, did Ryan Saunders really call for D'Lo to, uh, to shoot a contested three-pointer here? Or was this a, uh, you know, because, you know, there were other things happening. It's not like the Wolves flattened out and went isolation for D'Lo all the time. They did sometimes. But it was that sort of a thing where it was like, hey, was something else supposed to happen here? Did somebody go the wrong way and Beasley just decide to squeeze the trigger? Not sure. Um, but it wasn't ideal execution down the stretch. My final takeaway is that the Wolves played hard and maybe this isn't something that need should need to be celebrated. It, it's not, but if the, and, and this is, I guess the maddening part of it is if the Wolves had played like this on Saturday, they would have beaten Houston easily. I mean, the Rockets are awful. 
And even 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 a Rockets team with Kelly Olynyk is awful. And the Timberwolves should have beaten them twice. They shouldn't have had to use a 22-0 run on Friday night to beat the Rockets then, and they shouldn't have gotten beat easily by them on Saturday. I mean, they just lost the Brooklyn Nets by five and were down one with 20 seconds left and had a chance to uh, to go ahead and, and hang on and win the game. Uh, and, and again, it's maddening because had they played this way against the Thunder last week, they might win that game. I mean, the Thunder are, are better than Houston, but it would have been a far more competitive game and I mean, things don't get a ton easier for the Wolves. They, I mean, they generally speaking are going to be easier than playing the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, you look at the schedule upcoming. I mean, you play like this against the Knicks. You got a pretty good shot at winning. The Knicks are fine. They're not as good as the Nets. Same thing at Memphis, you know, upcoming, you've got Sacramento. There's a game against the Bulls here in about 10 days or so. I mean, there's these games, the Wolves should be able to pick up wins in some of these games if they just play like they did against Brooklyn on Monday night. So um, positive that they played hard, positive that they didn't fold up the tents when they were down 17 in the second quarter, when they were down 14 in the second half, down 13 at the start of the fourth. They played hard. They competed. Defensively, they actually, they forced two Brooklyn Nets shot clock violations, I think in the third quarter, and were scrambling. They were covering for each other. They were... Their rotations were mostly crisp. They rebounded the ball a little bit in this game. It, generally speaking, was a solid performance. And, you know, lose. there's no shame in losing on the road to a Brooklyn Nets team with both James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And remember, this is a Wolves team with no D'Angelo Russell. And you can bet that D'Lo would have wanted to play, uh, you know, at Brooklyn. So disappointing, to be sure. Uh, but still, the effort was solid, and, and that is certainly part of the battle for this Wolves team, especially, uh, you know, lately in the, in the wake of that Houston game on Saturday. Okay. I want to close the show today by doing individual studs and duds. And there were a couple of really outstanding individual performances that stood out in this game that I want to be sure to cover. First though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Also, we must talk about our great friends at Built Bar. I've been talking about Built Bar now for well over a year. Built Bar continues to be the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Every single one tastes just like a candy bar. Now is still the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. We are in the midst of Built Bar madness. We have our enticing, excuse me, our flavorful four. The enticing eight is over. Actually, recording this, I don't know who won the caramel brownie, coconut brownie chunk matchup, but I can tell you with confidence that coconut brownie chunk should have won and uh, will be facing off in the enticing eight, excuse me, the flavorful four against mint brownie. The first matchup, though, will be cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk, which is a really tough call. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Check out the bracket. Vote for your favorite. You can also check out the bracket on Twitter at at bar underscore built. That's at bar underscore built on Twitter. And if you've never ordered before, or if you have, and you just want to get 15% off, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 
to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and be sure to check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Okay, one more quick note before we get back into uh, talking about individual studs and duds from Wolves Nets on Monday. You can get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Okay, individual studs and duds. This was actually fairly easy for this one. Sometimes it's not. It was for this one. Carl Anthony Towns was phenomenal. 31 points on 22 shots, 13 to 22 shooting, four of eight outside the arc. He only attempted two free throws, one of two at the line. This is not one of those games where I felt like he was ripped off and should have gotten a bunch more free throws. There were a couple, uh, you know, calls that should have gone his way, maybe that didn't. But um, he was a little more on the perimeter, a little bit more shooting off offensive rebounds where you're not as likely to get a call on a putback attempt as you are on maybe a post move or a drive. Um, so I didn't feel like he necessarily got robbed by the officials in this one. But 31, 12 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, only two turnovers and two personal fouls committed for Carl Anthony Towns. I, you know, find me a game when Carl Anthony Towns played 39 minutes and only committed two fouls. That does not happen very often, but he did a great job staying out of foul trouble. At least one of them was pretty questionable too. one of those foul calls. Only two turnovers to the five assists. If the Wolves can get 31, 12, five and three blocks out of Towns and, uh, you know, over 50% shooting from the floor, over 50% shooting from three or exactly 50% shooting from three, you take that every single day of the week. He was also pretty good defensively, not just the block shots, but um, did a fairly good job guarding the Nets pick and roll, which is not an easy thing to do with usually James Harden and DeAndre Jordan only played 12 minutes in this game. But um, whoever is in there, whether it's Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan, um, you know, Nicholas Claxton, the Nets pick and roll game is still dangerous. And and they're going to have LaMarcus Aldridge now, too, which is, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they work him in. But um, the Wolves did okay defensively, and Towns was a big part of that. Other studs in this game outside of Towns, Jade McDaniels is the easy one. The Wolves' other rookie if we want to call him that, had 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and four blocks in this game. Shot five of 11 from the floor, three of five outside the arc. Seven rebounds, four assists, four blocks, plus a steal was a plus three in 38 minutes in a game the Wolves lost by five. I mean, we've been able to say good things about McDaniels from a block perspective, even from an assist and a steal perspective. He does stuff, right? He does the other stuff to fill out a box score, the things that matter, the things that show that he's got awareness, basketball IQ, whatever you want to call it, he knows what he's doing on the floor, right? Which which is one of the potential knocks on him as a prospect is there were some questions as to how, you know, he struggled a little bit in Pac-12 play um, for, with, uh, with Washington and he struggled a little bit in the zone defense concept. Nobody really knew how he'd defend one-on-one in the NBA uh, man-to-man defense. But, I, I mean, he's he's obviously done that very well. And some of these other things suggest that he he knows what he's doing, right? I mean, I mean, he's not just getting by in his athleticism anymore at the NBA level. The seven rebounds in 38 minutes for me is huge. It was, I think it was just Saturday when he played 30 plus minutes and had two rebounds. And he's of course now playing the four again. He had been playing the three for a while, so it's a little bit more permissible to have those, you know, those those less gaudy rebounding totals when you're playing the three. But when you're Starting at the four on an NBA team, you got to get more than two rebounds. And in this one, he had seven in 38 minutes. And that's, 
I'd say that's that's more than passable, especially when when Edwards, who's playing the three, had ten rebounds, which is also a little bit outside what we're used to seeing from him. So, um, Jade McDaniel's was really good, and if this is, I know 13, seven, 13 and seven isn't too eye popping, but if you do that plus four assists and four blocks, that's a nice game. The third stud for me in this one was a little bit tougher to figure out. I I ended up deciding on Anthony Edwards. He had twenty three and ten with three steals. He did have four turnovers and zero assists, which isn't great. The nine of twenty-two shooting is fine. I mean, it's better than what he's been shooting on the year. I mean, right? He's 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 barely forty percent on the year, thirty percent from three. He was also zero of seven from on three pointers in this game. So you take out the threes, and he was nine of fifteen inside the arc, which is great. Zero of seven on three point attempts. He did get to the free throw line seven times, five of seven at the free throw line. Even though he missed that big one that would have tied the game late in the final minute, and so this was. The definition of, and I know I already used this term to describe the late game execution. This is the definition of a mixed bag, and I'm still going to give him a stud for it just because we have the context of how poorly he's played the last few times out. 23-10 with three steals and a block from Anthony Edwards with seven free throw attempts. Those are all wins. No assists and four turnovers, 0 of 7 outside the arc, not great. He did have a team high plus five in the plus minus column, which as I remind almost on a nightly basis when we record, when I record these, uh, the post game pods, I mean, there's a lot of noise to single game plus minus. So that's not necessarily meaning he was the best player. It certainly doesn't mean he was the best player on the floor for the wolves in this one, but it's notable. I mean, he, he competed, um, he was active late in the game. He made those huge plays down the stretch, the, the, skying for the putback or for the offensive rebound. And then the putback, the steal, the layup, making it through contact. He did miss the free throw, but that that sequence alone is what allowed the Wolves to be within a possession twice in the final minute and have the chance to tie or go ahead twice in the final minute. And while they couldn't do that, he was a massive part of that late comeback for the Timberwolves. So a good game overall from Anthony Edwards, certainly strides on what we've seen recently, and, uh, and he deserves to be commended for that. Um, in terms of duds in this game, Malik Beasley has to be number one on that list. Nine points on three of 12 shooting, three of 10 on threes. He only attempted two two-pointers and missed them both, did not get to the free throw line, as as which should not be a surprise given that he shot 10 threes and two twos in this game. He also had that bad shot selection at the end of the game when he squeezed the trigger on a contested three with 10 seconds left when he should have moved the ball. Uh, he had four assists, but he also had four turnovers. He committed five fouls in 31 minutes, only one rebound in 31 minutes and uh, had the worst plus minus of any starter for the Wolves. So not a good game for Malik Beasley. Clearly still rusty after he also had a bad game on Saturday. Um, He just isn't the same Malik Beasley that we saw pre-suspension. And again, I I would expect that to change here in the next few games, certainly. Um, A second dud for me in this one, this one actually, well, I don't know. This one hurts a little because ultimately this was the best game we've seen this guy play in, in some time. And that's Jarrett Culver. He had eight points. But he shot the ball 10 times. He was three of 10 shooting, one of four outside the arc. He made a three, which is great. Uh, Team worst, minus 12 plus minus. Nobody else was worse than a minus seven. So easily the team's worst plus minus. Um, Eight points, three rebounds, a steal and a block. But he committed three personal fouls in 16 minutes, three of 10 shooting, missed three threes, and uh, was not as good defensively in James Harden as the Wolves would have liked him to be. And uh, so unfortunately he, he gets a dud in this game as well. It was good to see him make a three pointer and it came off of actually a really nice assist from Jaden McDaniels. It was a Towns to a Cuddy McDaniels. McDaniels 
turned basically midair and fired a pass to Culver in the corner, which as it happened, I thought, man, McDaniels, I would much rather have you shooting a contested layup or dunk than an open Culver three-pointer from the corner. But Culver made the shot. That was great. That was the high point for him in this game. Unfortunately, overall, it was not a great performance. Weirdly enough, Nasrid only played nine minutes, didn't attempt a shot. Juancho Hernan Gomez only played seven minutes, had two points, four rebounds. And uh, the the leading minutes getters off the bench were McLaughlin with 22 and then both Culver and Noel with uh, 16 apiece. Noel had a nice stretch in the second quarter of this game, but otherwise was fairly quiet in his 16 minutes, had nine points on nine shots and continues to kind of be that volume scorer off the bench. But he's been good enough for mid-range and from three that he's a little bit more than a volume scorer. And, and this was just another one of those you know, okay games where he adds that dynamic off the bench. But Chris Finch rode his starters heavily in this one because the bench was largely responsible, or at least some of the guys off the bench, you know, mixed in with the Beasleys and Rubios, um, were the ones who kind of allowed the Nets to build the double digit leads. And so Finch, to his credit, turned to the starters to try and get them out of those holes. And and for the most part, they did. I mean, they were right in it at the, at the end with a chance to win. So, um, all things considered, a fun, entertaining game. The Wolves competed far better than Saturday. They were not embarrassed, which was what Chris Finch's fear was um, in his media availability post game on Saturday, is that if they played like they did against Houston, they'd get embarrassed against Brooklyn. Thankfully, that did not happen. Um, solid game, disappointing loss, some issues with late game execution, but the effort was there and things, you know, they get a little easier next. They go to, they, I guess, stay in New York to take on, or no, I'm sorry, they actually go home to take on the Knicks. This is a one-game road trip. They now go home to take on the New York Knicks on Wednesday night before a two-game road trip at Memphis Friday at Philadelphia Saturday. So a weird week of games. Of course, on Wednesday show, we'll we'll preview Wolves-Knicks. We'll talk about um, town season to this point. Now that we're actually getting some you know, usable data in terms of sample size. I mean, obviously it's still a relatively small sample size, but we can look at his last couple of seasons, his truncated season last year and his, his you know, less than... Certainly, he missed a lot of time this year as well. But just kind of check in on what he's doing from his his shot profile to his effectiveness on on offense, especially what you know what do his numbers look like now that we're at the roughly two thirds um, pole of the season, if you will. So that'll be Wednesday's show. In addition to the to the Knicks preview, and uh, then of course Thursday we'll have the the post game pod from Wednesday. So still a packed week ahead, and we, it was also announced on uh, on Monday that the draft lottery would be in June. Um, I think it was June 22nd and the draft is a little over a month later in late July. Um, so those are dates to mark on your calendar for your Timberwolves fan. And, uh, as they always are, right. Um, and we kind of also know what to expect. Although last year was a weird uh, deviation from the norm when the wolves actually won the lottery, but we have plenty of time to, to talk about all of that. Otherwise, that's all we have for you here today on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. If you listen on iTunes, it would be awesome if you helped us out with a positive review there. Helps us get in front of more folks. Also, you can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K. E-N. Once again, this episode of Lockdown Wolves was brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store. Find one of our Lockdown Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.